perfection versus authenticity. I really want to take the time today to break down what both of those are and how we tend to feed into maybe one more than the other and how we can lean more towards authentic living as opposed to the chase for this unrealistic illusion of perfection that we may try to achieve in so many different ways. So welcome back if you're tuning in again or if you're tuning in for the first time. My name is Lana. I work as a nutritionist, yoga teacher and student, Reiki practitioner, uh, and you can find all my work on my website, lifespacehealing.com. I frequently hold different wellness events in London as well as weekly meditations and yoga classes. You can find everything up on the website. I'm actually talking to you all right now as I watch the rainfall on this cooling summer morning. It's been boiling hot in London and it's quarter to 11 and the rain is coming in and it's just, I, everyone that knows me knows I have a thing for the rain. So this feels like a very special moment for me and the perfect time to sit down and record something like this. This came to me um, again whilst I was away recently in Greece and it brought up some old stuff that made, that, that reminded me of this um, chase that so many of us have with trying to hold on or reach this illusion of perfection that is simply an illusion. Uh, it's not a reality. What is perfect? Um, you know, when does that ever end? What, why do we kind of create these ideals or where are they influenced from? And how does that, how does th that compare to authentic living? And what is authentic living? So it, it, this came up for me a couple of weeks ago and I was actually very much triggered. I'm going to be very honest and open here as I try to be as much as possible in the name of authentic living. Uh, this was triggered actually by a comment that um, my younger brother made to me whilst we were in the middle of an argument on family holiday as things tend to kind of blow up sometimes in all the... the very deep stuff might bring up more superficial kind of petty arguments. So we were having a debate on something like the moon. I can't remember. Anyways, we were in the middle of an argument and uh, I was getting very heated and angry and triggered as we can be, especially more so around family stuff, which is a very good indication of where there is a lot of healing work to do. Um, We'll talk about triggers and wounds in another episode. So I was very highly triggered, very heated, and he was very heated, and we were arguing over the dinner table, and then he said something that um, kind of really hit a light bulb in my head, and it was, 
um, oh, look at you now, so angry, you're so angry, you know, something like that around, you're so angry, what happened to, I thought you were all about meditation and peace and love and and I giggled and I just thought, oh my God, really? You think I'm like that? Because I know I'm not. Um, I do all of that stuff because I know I, I have a lot of healing to do. Um, but that also anger is not bad. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's in emotion, which is simply an energy in motion and actually expressed in a healthy way, um, is essential for life, for living, for, for releasing. Uh, it's a part of grief. You know, all of us feel grief in some uh, at varying degrees, at different points in our lives, we may accumulate griefs that we haven't expressed. And so we suppress things like anger and pain and sadness. Um, and then that might lead to things like anxiety and depression when we suppress so much. So really, it's so important that we actually give space to these emotions such as anger and sadness and fear and allow them to be, allow them to come up, allow ourselves to feel them so we can heal them. And that is so much of what I was doing recently this year uh, at the Bridge Retreat, which is a, an emotional healing retreat, um, co-founded by my therapist, Donna Lancaster, who is really the woman that taught me so much about um, emotional healing, um, psychotherapy, and uh, a really great blend of cognitive and cathartic work, which they all implement into the bridge. And that's a healing retreat that takes place every month in Somerset at 42 Acres in Somerset, which is a beautiful retreat house. Uh, and it was an amazing experience. And I really highly recommend it to anybody that's dealing with any emotional stuff or maybe has been through things in their life or is feeling kind of a lack of vitality, a lack of purpose, a, a lack of confidence, um, really doesn't have to be that deep or big. Uh, I always associated loss, grief is, is na a natural reaction to loss, and I always associated loss with death. And so I always thought, well, but, you know, I don't really have anyone in my life, touch word, um, you know, that close to me that has passed away like that or... But then actually, when you look at varying degrees of loss, we have all experienced loss in some shape or form. Whether that's a breakup, whether that's miscarrying, abortion, whether that's uh, divorce, parents divorcing or your own divorce, whether that's a pet dying, a loss of opportunity, um, ill health, that's the loss of, you know, health we may, may experience that as. So there's all these varying degrees of loss that we all experience throughout our lifetime. And a natural, the natural reaction to that loss is grief. And with grief, we naturally feel either sadness, fear, um, or anger. And somewhere in society, we were taught that it's unbecoming to show these feelings. As a lady, it's unbecoming to show anger. As a man, it's weak to show sadness. We learn to suppress emotions. We're not really given the space to grieve. And grieving is such a huge, essential part to our healing. 
and especially to our self-love. So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, just love yourself. And then other people are like, well, how the hell do I love myself? That is how you can begin to learn how to love yourself is really getting into the deep healing work of grief work. That means delving into the nitty gritty, seeing all the parts that we have probably kept hidden for so long. And a lot of us out of fear, a lot of us, we tend to steer away from that because we're so afraid of sitting with those emotions, maybe because they've accumulated so much so that to sit there and finally be with them is a frightening thought. And so we continue to distract ourselves with our work, with our um, parenting, with food, with alcohol, with sex, with drugs, with reality TV, with so many distractions (laughs) in the Western world, electronics, phones, social media. And what that does is actually moves us further away. The, The further away we kind of move away from our emotions, our um, our grief, uh, we are moving further away from ourselves because those very emotions, those energy, that energy and motion is telling us stuff about ourselves. It is giving us the opportunity to connect to our truth, to heal so that we can further connect to our true purpose, further authentically connect to others and live our authentic selves, our authentic truth. And so grief work is a huge part of that. So I was talking about it last night with my cousins and a friend and we were laughing about how irritating it is when somebody says something like, oh, just do you, you know, just do you, babes, be you, um, you know, love yourself. And it's like, thank you. Know, so it's quite condescending and patronizing when we say that because it's it really isn't that simple. And to a lot of people, it's quite frustrating because it's like, well, how do I love myself? You know, like, wh- what does do you even mean? Like, who am I? You know, you're telling me to be me. I don't even know who I am. And it's so interesting. And it's something that I learned so much at the bridge. But the the more we peel back the layers through going through grief work, through doing deep healing, um, the more we peel back the layers, the more we 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 start to travel back to who we really are, to our authentic self. Because what happens when we go through loss, when we go through pain, when we go through hurt, we build up barriers to protect ourselves. We learn different modalities, different ways of protection. We build these barriers, these masks of who we are. Um, one of mine massively was, I'm fine. You know, my teenage and early 20s, uh, you know, it was, I'm fine. And really behind that mask was, I'm anxious, I'm depressed. Oh my God, you know, everything was falling apart. Um, How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. And we put on this mask as, you know, it's, it's, it's a barrier almost so that we we protect ourselves. We It's it's a defense mechanism that we learned to protect ourselves. Uh, yet what happens then is, Yes, we may then be able to block ourselves from any physical pain or hurt or sadness or fear or anger, but then we're also blocking out love and joy and happiness, and that really comes, um, you know, from 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 deep within. If we're blocking one, we're blocking all. So. 
so grief work yeah huge one so so in that moment it was quite funny to to witness in my heated self as I was expressing anger how he saw anger as this wrong um, negative emotion which so many of us do and I did for so long um, for so long, you know, I thought anger is bad and no, you need to sit and be peaceful and sit with those emotions and um, try to remain calm. And that's what I did for most of my childhood and late teens and early 20s is I told, told myself that it was bad to be angry or that I didn't have a right to be angry and that, you know, I just needed to let things go. And so I had this really blasé attitude of it's cool. Yeah, you know, I'm cool. That's fine. Uh, when really it wasn't. It was like a burning anger inside me. Someone would do something and it would kill me. But I'd I'd block that straight away. My my barrier would go up and be like, cool, whatever. And then I'd smoke a copious amount of weed because great to forget, great to escape. Um, I drank loads, same reason. Uh, I ate loads of shit, you know, and I did all these things unconsciously. I didn't sit there thinking, oh... I'm feeling so much today, I'm going to block myself from, uh, you, know, um, you know, from feeling anything. So let's light up this joint or let's down this glass of wine. Um, I wasn't aware. So if somebody had come and said that to me at the time, I probably would have been like, oh, get out of here, buddy. <laughs> what are you talking about? It ain't that deep. Which was exactly what my brother was saying to me also within this argument. Like, it's not that deep. And it's funny now, coming from a different perspective, of experience through my own experiences it's so easy for me to be able to pinpoint why I did the things that I did and coming out of that I'm able to see that as you know so many ways of just how I was distracting myself from deeper emotions deeper wounds that I had been carrying with me since childhood but obviously so unaware and I only became aware when I really hit rock bottom and I ended up with debilitating anxiety and depression and I realized, right, something is wrong. I am actually drinking to to black out. You know, I am doing all these things um, that are really no longer serving me. Like I'm getting unwell. I'm ill. I feel down. I'm depressed. I like at one point my anxiety was so debilitating. I gen I genuinely believed I was losing my mind. Um, I was bedridden. I couldn't move for days. I had such strong apathy, which is that sensation of numbness, not feeling anything in the midst of my depression that I just was desperate, desperate for a change. Um, and I really think that that is our, what we call our breakdown is our spiritual breakthrough. It's like we get to the pit of shit and then all of a sudden I was very blessed and I really think that these things always happen for a reason, but loads of synchronistic moments happened where, you know, person would come into my life and another person I was led, you know, my nutritionist came in, she led me to um, Donna, who was my therapist for eight years and ongoing, um, uh, you know, the Hoffman process came up, which Donna was a facilitator at, I never partook in, but she taught me a lot of the tools within that, um, out of that she created the bridge, the bridge, I delved into a whole world reconnected to my spirituality, which is something that I had so strongly in me when I was a kid, but I lost along the ways of my teenage years. And so it was like reconnecting back to that. And I really believe that it was all part of my journey for, you know, for a purpose. And so, yeah, so it was just so interesting to observe how he was um, uh, viewing anger and, you know, and, and how 
there was this expectation that, well, because I practice yoga or because I practice meditation um, or because I work in healing that I'm supposed to be some sort of ultimate human that only feels love and light and it's a lot of a lot of that goes on in in um in the kind of um world of of health and healing and it's this kind of that's for me as a mask it's another form of a mask of um you know peace love namaste everything is love and light and only ever love and light um you know it's a, that's another defense mechanism it's a mask you know we're human we feel things and really to be a true healer of ourselves before we begin to heal anyone else which is how our healing journeys begin we begin through healing ourselves we don't ignore the aspects of us that are in pain or that are wounded we welcome those in because those are the very parts of us that need the healing and so that is how we begin to be true to ourselves as we recognize those exist we recognize that anger is there we recognize that pain is there that deep that those experiences that we went through actually you know they do matter it's not just a oh cool push it to the back of me and pretend it doesn't exist they're there for a reason you know they're there because they're te- they're the next opportunity for our growth for our healing that that you know leads us to our further growth with there are so many lessons in those experiences um and you know so much to do with our wounded child work you know so many of us go oh you know you know with me for instance uh my parents divorce got divorced when i was 14 and it was kind of like oh well life carries on you know it was never spoken of it wasn't a thing life carries on go to school do what you need to do um of course things were painful you know all of a sudden that family unit of being together was separated my dad wasn't around um you know income issues of abandonment in that sense but i wasn't aware of those things i just in my mind carry on that's life go get on with it um that's how my family uh didn't deal with it it was just kind of like you know that's it get on with it carry on and over the years that accumulated but over the years I remember you know eight years being in ten years being in even um you know I I when I was in the midst of my depression and my apathy I was trying to think of every reason that could have led me to this depression I was like I don't even know what I'm sad about anymore that's how numb I am I can't even go back to it and I just thought you know divorce I mean that was ten years ago how you know, why? Like, no, I I don't feel anything. I shoved everything so deep down inside of me, blocked myself so much that I couldn't feel around anything. And I couldn't, simply couldn't put my finger on what it was until I saw Donna. And she asked me some very uh, awakening questions that made me think, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. I actually don't know why my parents got divorced. And maybe that is a bit strange that I don't know, because it obviously means that it was never spoken of and you know we never dealt with it as a family and so obviously it's going to be lingering there because when we push things to a side of us we think we're letting go of them we're not we're just pushing them down but they're there and they accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and then eventually they come bursting out as anxiety or depression depressed to depress it's like depressing everything that we've suppressed and uh, this is all everything that I learned with Donna and it was so amazing that the minute she gave me that space to actually express, you know, my, my, my wounds around, around things that I'd experienced, 
I, you know, I, I was able to cry again because I was held in a safe space where I was allowed to, I was given that space to. It wasn't just a get on with life, keep going. It was like a, here you are, I am holding space, I am listening without judgment, without opinion. Here you are in this space, allowed to feel. And then that's when I began to heal because it, it you know, just it allowed everything to come up and come out. And that went on for years. But with every session, there was such a great amount of relief from the very first session. I went to bed for the first time in six months with a smile on my face. And I had been through numbing apathy and depression. And it was like, um, one of the very first things she told me to do was actually to release anger, um, write a letter, an angry letter to, you know, a at the time it was my mother, and uh, expressing my pain and, and my anger that I had burning inside me, and then to go to a kickboxing class and beat the shit out of the bag. This sounds crazy, as if it was my mom. And I thought, ouch, you know, what? We stay so loyal to our parents. There is such a huge loyalty where, you know, even if they, they have wronged us, um, even if they have caused us pain, we'd rather just be like, put, continue to put them on a pedestal and be like, but they're my parent, but they're my dad, they're my mum, they've done everything for me. Yes, we can appreciate the qualities of our parents as well as recognising maybe where their w- wounds have formed, we you know, wounds have formed from experiences. And that's not, you know, to blame or to cause any anger or hatred, but just a simple recognition, because that wounded child lies within each of us. And that wounded child is crying out for our love and our attention every day. We are, and we are further being distracted from connecting to that voice within, from connecting to that child within by continuing to distract ourselves so giving ourselves that moment to actually be like you know what no it's not just love and light let me listen to the wounded child and what do you need from me today how can I be there for you today you know maybe tears come up we hold space for ourselves when that happens Uh, maybe sadness comes in we hold space for ourselves just give ourselves even that moment of space that allows us to recognize the feeling without judgment without assessment without trying to understand or make sense of it because when we do that we're staying so stuck in the head and what we're trying to do with feeling and healing is dropping from the head into the heart So we're not here to make sense of it, but we're literally just acknowledging, and that's a huge one, acknowledging the presence of these feelings, acknowledging the emotions, which are simply energy in motion that are making their way through us to take us on to the next step of our journey, of our living, of our purpose, of our growth. And so... um, So it is not about just being love and light. It is really authentic living is not about being this illusion of what is perfect of what we what we think is perfect which is you know comes from i don't know is it media um tv uh social media you know we see so many highlight reels of things that don't really um show us reality uh you know heavily edited images on photoshop on uh, in magazines and movies and on Instagram, on all these things, creating these false ideals of um, reality, these illusions of perfection, these photos of these happy families or these relation couples that just show, you know, their uh, 
best times together and their love and that's really beautiful celebrate it all but life is not just that life is not just all fun and high and up and 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 happy that's not reality and by only focusing on those things we only harm ourselves and others around us we harm ourselves by ignoring the other parts of us that really need the attention that really need the healing and then by ignoring those aspects of us and only focusing on love like we put that out to other people as expectations to believe that that is what they should be feeling um, and that is how relationships should be and that is how families should look when actually in actual fact, that's not true. That's not truth. That is not true living. Uh, it is not love and light and just burning sage and lighting a candle and namaste and everything is peaceful. So um, it, it was just so interesting to observe how our argument kind of spiraled into, well, you know, how some people may view... Um, how one should be if you are a yoga teacher, healer, practitioner, um, wisdom teacher, whatever it may be, someone in that field. Anyone in that field who is doing it out of truth and authenticity, out of healing themselves and then creating that space for others to heal also, to heal themselves also, that's really just what a healer is. Is It's like what how I feel from my experiences. I was given all these tools to healing from many people that came into my life as healers, whether that was my therapist or nutritionist or homeopath or herbalist, etc. And through these tools of learning how to heal myself, I grew so interested and fascinated by how we are actually able to reclaim that power to heal ourselves that I wanted to give that empowerment back to others so it's not that I go around healing people it's simply I create the space to allow people to receive the tools that they need to heal themselves hopefully inspiring them enough to then inspire others and so on and so on and so on and the cycle continues so yeah Anger is, uh, it's funny how much we perceive it as such a negative emotion. And actually, um, going back, so to my childhood, anger is so something I, I, I maybe wasn't allowed to express, or I just generally as a child didn't really express at all. Um, I was very quiet, I held a lot in, and uh, that really did lead to all kinds of physical illness. So all physical illness they usually start from any kind of uh, energetic block or energetic imbalance. And I had such a great um, blockage in my throat chakra, obviously, from from not expressing myself, from not communicating my truth, that I was always ill. I had glandular fever, I had tonsillitis, I had all these different things. And eventually later on, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition of the thyroid which is located, a gland located in the throat. So a lot of my healing is as much as it is through nutrition, um, as much as it has been through nutrition and physical uh, practices of healing, it's also been very much um, energetic and vibrational, using crystals to unblock that chakra, the throat chakra, um, you know, visualizations, um, sound healing, uh, aromatherapy, these are all different tools for vibrational healing, singing, expressing my truth. You know, these are all ways that we clear the throat chakra. 
So for so long, I held in a lot of my emotions. I didn't express very much. But one of them, very interestingly, that came to me um, throughout the bridge, I so when I went to the bridge, I for so long had been healing the relationship around my mother. So I, I've been working with my therapist a lot uh, around childhood wounding, which is a lot of what the Hoffman process does, which is, again, another eight-day um, deep healing retreat that's been around for ages. Um, they really focus on the kind of wounded child. So we pick up a lot of our losses and our um, experiences of wounding in the first kind of eight years of our life. And then it can also carry on after that. Um, but those are kind of like where our core wounds begin um, from birth till around the age of eight. And uh, so, you know, and then as we go on, you know, there was a lot of, of stuff that I needed to heal uh, within the relationship I had with my mother. And then for the very first time, uh, I went to the bridge this year because I realized how so many of my triggers, my patterns. So, well, before then, I was um, led to with Donna through therapy, um, the awareness around all of my behaviors, patterns, relationships. I was a serial kind of relationship person from one relationship to another, but they all had very similar patterns and it was so interesting to see how those patterns and my behaviors um, were all linked to the traits of my mother and uh, you know it's so interesting to learn the the um, roles that we that we the, the p- patterns and behaviors that we take on um, so, for instance, I was very much attracted to one type of person. They came in all different shapes and forms and varying if- issues, but they all kind of had the same issue that was that I never realized until therapy, but was th- like the same traits as my mother. Um, so we usually go for, for people that have both negative and positive traits of our parents. They might be of both parents. They might be of one parent more predominantly. And that is what shows us where the healing work needs to take place. Because ultimately we are attracted to relationships that show us where the healing work is needed within the relationships that we first formed with our parents. Because who the first relationships that we we um experience is with our parents or our caretakers um and so we kind of unconsciously go for the people in our romantic relationships that hold those traits and relationships are such a great mirror they're really a mirror of what we need to heal so when we feel triggered in relationships you know if we're arguing about certain things if we've attracted a certain person in our life it's interesting to take a step back in our conscious awareness and it takes a lot of conscious awareness to do this to step back and take a look at that and be like right why am I being attracted to this kind of person again and again and again I'm falling through this pattern of behavior in a relationship every single time and it might not be just romantic relationships it may be relationships at work friendships um, just general relationships, they teach us so much about ourselves. We are all mirrors of each other. So who we are attracting into our lives is exactly who we are. So if we keep attracting certain circumstances, situations, experiences, it's very interesting to look at why we are attracting those. Because ultimately, it is just a reflection of us, of how we are vibrating, um, of where we are in our lives. And that way, I find relationships can be one of our greatest learning tools Relationships are a huge uh, topic for me that I absolutely love. 
they've really been the greatest teacher of, of mine, especially going through the relationships that I went through and going through so many and seeing how that's linked to the relationships that I had, the relationship, yeah, the relationships that I had with my mother and father um, and how the healing of that has actually helped with the healing of myself and my relationships. I've been able to attract different people into my life, different situations. I mean, my whole life began to thrive when I started to heal the wounds and the relationship that I have with my mother. And that wasn't with my mother at all. I did that separately with myself and my therapist. There were moments that I brought up with my mother, conversations that I had with her. Yes, we did, you know, go to therapy twice, totally, you know, she fought against it. But, you know, there was so, uh, so much of it was really just healing from within. So the other person doesn't need to be present. It's so much healing from within. Um, And there is Adonna's actually doing an amazing relationship workshop. So if you are in London and you are interested in this, um, as well as the bridge, they hold really informative kind of one or two day workshops on things like this, on, on different kind of emotional healing stuff. And the next one I think is in September and it's going to be in London and it's a one day relationship workshop. I've been to it twice now and I cannot recommend it enough. It is so fascinating, whether you're in a relationship or not, it is so informative. So even if it's just to do with the relationship you have with yourself, it is so informative. It is so fascinating. And um, all of her stuff, all of that information can be found on their website, thebridgeretreat.com. So yeah, so so going back to this anger. So it's so interesting because yeah, if anger is a very necessary emotion. And if we're getting angry... Um, if we, t- we tend to find that we are angry, so, so, well, so yeah, so, so I just jumped a little bit. So <laughs> going back to me never expressing myself as a child and then working through my mum stuff for so long. This year I went in because recently I'd been feeling in the last two years that I was actually now starting to become very triggered around different traits. And then I, and so I sat and I spoke with Donna once or twice and then I realised that these traits are my father. And I thought, interesting, I've never done any healing around my father because my mother was always the most obvious kind of parent that I needed healing work around. But my father wasn't the most obvious, but has probably been the most profound. And it's so funny how that happens. And I was so scared. I didn't want to go back into that. I just, so I kind of put it off and put it off and put it off. But then the triggers got worse and worse. And they were translating into my relationship. They were translating into my work life. They were translating into my confidence. Everything. I felt myself being so held back. And I knew that there was deeper healing to go on there. And I knew it was around my dad. But I just was so scared to face it. And then... um. I got engaged at the beginning of this year. So many people don't know that. It's not something that I shouted out about. I wanted to keep it very private. And it's been a really beautiful, um, deep learning experience for me and for us both. Um, and it's been very personal. And I've been really loving it that way. And so I will do a separate podcast episode on this podcast around that. Because I think it is a very, very huge topic that we need to talk about. Um but it brought up a lot of fears for me as much as it was such a beautiful moment in my life. It brought up a lot of fears. And again, a lot of triggers came in around surrounding my father and, and, and a lot of fears surrounding things like divorce that obviously I'd experienced growing up and fears. And, and I just thought, gosh, this is going to take over my life. And if I don't deal with it now, um, it's going to continue to take over my life. It's not getting any better. And I know how 
how crap it is to push things aside. I know how that just accumulates into anxiety and depression. I'm not really willing to go down that. I'd rather just get in the nitty gritty and deal with it. And I came back and I got physically unwell. We were in Jamaica when he proposed. It was an amazing, amazing, beautiful time. And, um, the fear really overtook me and I got physically unwell, vomiting, which I hadn't had since I was a child. And I was noticing all these things come up and I was just like, wow, okay. And I booked myself straight into the bridge. Um, and that happened earlier in May this year. And what a profound experience, really, really what a profound experience. And again, that just for the first time, I was dealing with all the wounds that I had experienced from uh, my relationship with my father and a big one for, for me on that was a big obvious one for me on that was abandonment in the sense that when my parents got divorced my father left and yes we saw each other every like we see each other kind of twice three times a year um, you know we all stay in contact we have a family whatsapp group every day but the abandonment you know I kind of pushed it aside so much because again it was that um, just get on with life thing but it did naturally have a massive impact on me to the point where I was triggered in relationships a lot through things like abandonment. If a boyfriend would leave, I'd start to feel really panicky, um, you know, even if they were just leaving to go to work, <laughs> you know, I'd feel panicky. Are they coming back? When are they coming back? Or, you know, if someone was uncertain about their plans, you know, or I don't know when I'll next see you, that would cause great anxiety in me. Um, huge. And it was h- horrible, horrible feeling. Um, so those were the most obvious, but then being at the bridge, you're totally cut off from any outside world. You're in um, this beautiful retreat house with up to 14 others. And in my group, I think there was 11 of us. And um, and no phones, no electronics, no books, nothing to distract yourself. So you are purely sitting there with your every emotion. And wow, I mean, I thought I, you know, I, I tried to live a life free from distraction as much as possible. But actually, you know, I'm busy, I'm working, I'm doing these things. And then when I do sit in stillness, I'm still doing something sometimes. Sometimes I do sit with myself in stillness, but not in as much of a concentrated amount that we did for six days at the bridge. And it brought up so many things that I just wasn't even aware was there. The fear, the fear that started to come back in, the anxiety that started to come back in. And I realized actually my lack of or my inability to express myself as a child actually came from the fear of not being able to around my father because he was quite strict um when we were younger and we all we all definitely carry this fear around my dad of like kind of like you could just go quiet you just go silent it's like don't answer back don't talk back it's like the respect thing and then a fear thing and um, I realized how that my body kind of became overwhelmed with this fear and, and anxiety. And I was like, wow, I've never truthfully expressed myself because I've been afraid to. I've never truthfully expressed myself around the wounds that I experienced around my father because, um, you know, not just because I was afraid to, I didn't want to wrong him and, and, and I just never allowed myself to feel that. And actually one of the biggest emotions that I had come up was anger. And on one of the anger workshops that we did in the the bridge, which I think was the second or third day in, involved a hell of a lot of screaming. And I was ridden with fear. I thought, oh my God, how am I going to do this? I've never spoken back to my dad. Obviously he's not there, but it's just your body, you kind of go back into this, you know, I felt small. I felt like this little child again and shouting is very sensitive to me. Um, 
you know, we grew up with shouting in the family, so immediately it makes me feel really small and scared, and I tend to, like, hide. Even, you know, being with um, my partner now in the beginning, he's, you know, again, I, I started to become attracted to, rather than become attracted to people that possess just traits of my mother, it was, like, traits of my father, so it was the aggression and the anger and the high stress and the... And I was like, gosh, he's so much like dad in that sense. And, um, you know, he'd shout and shout. And I'd literally, like, I'd freeze. And he wouldn't understand why. And I'd literally kind of go into freeze. And I'd just, like, crawl into this little ball. And I'd want to hide. And I had to explain that, listen, I grew up in a very shouty household um, at times that really scared me as a child. And my, I I think my defense mechanism was, still gets me really emotional. (sighs) But my defense mechanism was to literally just hide in a, in a room or a toilet. And so all of that fear um, came up again in that instance. And it was like my mechanism was to usually just be, you know, be a child. It was like I protect by hiding. But I'd never used my voice to express anger. And so like it was like coming into that was really scary but being in that group was so supportive and being with Donna and Freddie, who's the other facilitator, was so supportive. And I was like, I was finally given this experience to um, express myself in a way of anger, which was so needed. So I don't want to go too much into the... um, ritual of what took place because I think it's so beautiful to go in and experience it if you want but it it involved being able to be witnessed by my tribe members that were there also there for healing um and everyone's kind of you know we're all kind of like shouting together and I had so much through the fear I was like right I'm here and I'm here for six days and I need to get this out and I need to let this out and there were words that Donna was saying as we were shouting, as she was shouting out, as I have a right to be angry. And I just kept telling myself that. She's like, if you feel stuck with not being able to express that anger, keep saying, keep telling yourself, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to feel angry. And that was so helpful. And I kept saying that over and over again. And then all of a sudden, I was screaming at the top of my lungs I was I didn't even realize I had that much anger in me and I was like oh my god and it was abuse it was swear words it was like I fucking hate you you know you lied to me I'm not a kid anymore all these things all this anger that I had held in towards my dad And that for me, that exercise, I remember after that, wow, I felt again the same feeling that I felt when I first saw Donna, when I had that apathy and I was able to release the anger around my mum and I went to bed with a smile on my face. I had this instant relief, this instant lightness in my body, this instant freedom and I had the biggest smile on my face and we sat quietly together in a group and then we were off to go kind of shower and cleanse and I did that and I ca- I remember I came down, so sweet, but some of my tribe members were like, wow, you're glowing and I really felt that way. I really, really felt that way. I felt this huge release of relief, relief and 
you know, and then I realised, God, you know, I forget that, like, anger is so essential, and it's not the anger that we feel just from, so, so what I want to get into is the kind of anger, so if we, we tend to be an angry person, we're in road traffic, or someone's pissed us off in the day, and we get angry, and so we shout, we're like, oh, so fucking annoying, or you fucking dick, or blah, 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 or, you know, we're triggered in a relationship, we get angry, what I learned at the bridge, what I learned through Donna, is that that anger is really an accumulation of a deeper anger that we have buried within surrounding a deeper wound. And what we need to do is if we notice that we have anger within us, rather than just kind of let it spur out, which isn't really helpful, it's not healing us and it's not helpful to anyone else around us, um, is really sit back and trace where that anger comes from. So really trace it back to the roots of your childhood and that wo- and that wounded child within. And once we work on that anger, when we ex- learn to express that anger in a safe way through things like anger workshops, through things like kickboxing, um, physical exercise that allows us to really release through somatic, through body work, as well as through voice, through shouting, um, then we are able to really heal because we're going back to the root of our wound and that is where the healing needs to take place and that is how we go into grief work. So part of grief is anger and sadness so we allow ourselves to feel those feelings surrounding those wounds that we experienced through childhood. So I was obviously being very triggered by my brother and I think there is definitely a lot more healing there to happen Um and uh, there's that saying, you know, if you think you're enlightened, that's by Ram Das. if you think you're enlightened, go and spend a week with your family. Um, I like to kind of change that a little bit to if you think you're healed, go and spend a week with your family, because that's where all our shit comes up, because that's where all our wounds lie, you know. Um, and so, yeah, we, we get triggered easily. And it's interesting to look back and trace well, where that those triggers are uh, coming from. What wound is that coming from? And um, you know, in, in the, the heat of the moment, I was angry and, 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 you know, he said, oh, you know, um, look at you, you're so angry, I thought you were, you know, a, a lover of peace and of karma, you know, that kind of stuff, and I just thought, gosh, you've got me so wrong, like, yeah, I am angry, and again, I said those words, I was like, yeah, I am angry, and I have a right to be angry, it's not wrong to be angry, we need to stop this negative attachment that we have to emotions like anger and sadness being wrong. They are, they are not wrong. There is no right and wrong in feelings. They are simply feelings. We don't need to label them. They are just as they are and they are there for a reason and they are there to be felt. Maybe they don't have a deeper meaning to them, but they come up to show us where we're at and we can acknowledge them and then they might go away and that's fine. Some of them might have lessons to them. Some of them might be taking us back to, to old wounds that need healing but they are simply feelings they are not wrong there is no right or wrong anger is not wrong sadness is not wrong weak you know sadness is not weakness um anger is not unbecoming if you're a lady you know but if we have anger there it's worth us going back and tracing to where there might be healing does that mean that I'm never going to be angry in my life no absolutely not you know like we are we we feel for reasons and we have a right to feel every single feeling um just because one practices yoga or one or one is a healer or one doesn't mean we don't feel these things and that is authentic living is it's accepting that we feel and that we are that whole self 
not just the love and the light. We are, yes, we are humans. That means feeling crap sometimes. That means feeling embarrassed. That means feeling small, feeling vulnerable, feeling um, happy, feeling joy, feeling, you know, we are humans. That is authentic. And we are not doing anyone any favours by putting this expectation out of what is only love and light. We're not doing ourselves any favours and we're not doing others any favours. What we need to do to heal the world is really live, to heal ourselves, is begin deep healing work within so that we can continue to create, to, to connect to our authentic selves, to our truth and inspire others to do the same also. Um, to be able to say, yeah, I am angry. I am angry and I have a right to be angry. That for me has been the most powerful thing ever. Um, you know, so many of us put these ideals of perfection, whether it's through image, through the way that we look, whether that's physical appearance or the way that we appear, you know, always being kind and friendly. You know, I used to have this thing where I was like, you know, I, I don't want to be mean and I don't want to be unkind. And I was kind of imbalanced in the heart chakra area of being too open hearted, where it was like, love and light and you know kindness always and compassion but you know I'd feel hurt and I'd take that on and then I just you know would would continue to just be so open-hearted and it was like this lack of boundaries you know boundaries is another massive thing this lack of boundaries that that you know was like I was so open-hearted but I was getting so hurt and now it's like no you can't cross that boundary this is a respect boundary you can't treat me like that this is a boundary I have against myself, boundary I have within myself um, that, you know, it's not a barrier. Boundaries and barriers are very different. Again, I'll do another episode on this. You know, barriers are putting blocks up. Boundaries are saying, I'm not accepting this because this is damaging me. And we learn boundaries from our childhood. And I did not have a clear sense of boundaries. So all these things came into my life that were deeply wounding through relationships, through general life experiences. Um, and so, so, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's not having to be nice to everyone. There's another really beautiful saying that says, um, I can't remember exactly, but something along the lines of, uh, you know, if, you um like being spiritual uh is not only about being nice um and loving it's about being authentic and some something along I can't remember it now but um if I do I'll get back to you guys on that but it is basically um you know it's it's not about being this oh yeah everything is love and yeah you can shit on me that's fine you can call me an asshole that's fine you can treat me like crap that's fine because I'm so love and light no you can be in love live in love but there are boundaries in place so it's like you cross that boundary nah you're out goodbye that's a self-respect boundary thing um, because we let people in, they can completely rob us of our energy, of our health, of everything. And so having that boundary is essential. And um, being able to feel that anger, that sadness and allowing ourselves to feel it, you know, ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, so these ideals, as I was saying, of perfection, they're really such an illusion. It's not real. It's not realistic. Where does perfectionism end? 
what is perfect. You know, you're constantly looking to look like this image that we've created through media, through heavily photoshopped images. You know, people are going through extremes of surgeries and stuff to look a certain way because that's putting out this image of what we think is perfect, what we think is happy, what we think is how tiring because we're only really harming ourselves because we're chasing an illusion that is not a reality and it never ends. Believe me, it never ends. <sighs> that was a beautiful, uh, very heartfelt expression right there. I hope you guys enjoyed. Again, would love to hear back from you guys. Um, love to hear your experiences also. Um, email, Instagram, however you guys feel like you want to connect, get in contact. I'm also holding a women's listening circle on the 24th of August at Remind Studio. Um, the link is through my Instagram and will be up on the website soon. So you can book through the website remindstudio.com. Um, it's a chance for us to sit together to express without judgment, opinion, advice. We create the space for each other to listen to one another, to express grief um, in whichever shape or form that may be in. So whether that's anger or sadness, we will allow ourselves to feel that so we can heal. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful experience. So that's coming up on the 24th of August, which is a Friday. And that's from seven till 10 PM at Remind Studio in Victoria, London. I also hold meditations there every Monday night from seven till 8 PM, crystal healing meditations, a really nice, beautiful way also to give ourselves some space of calm, stillness, healing, um, some space to really slow down and wind down, which is essential in a city like London. Um, and I teach yoga on Tuesdays at 5.30 to 6.30 in the Charing Cross Sports Club um, in Hammersmith in London. Again, you can find all of this information on my website. I do one-to-one -one nutritional therapy, Reiki and yoga for anyone wanting to deepen their practice. So yeah, connect with me whichever way you feel you, you want. Uh, we are all here to live in our authenticity. Uh, authenticity and the purpose of that being is connection humans thrive in connection in community so let's bring this community together and i'm going to leave you with my favorite song of the day sending you all a lot of love and have a beautiful day Agua brillante sana, sana.
Vienes del cielo 
Son agua del cielo, mamá. 